Welcome to Mindfully Healing, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Micheline Malouf, a trauma-informed and trained therapist. And I'm Nadia Desi, a registered social worker and psychotherapist. We are here to guide you through the connection between your mind and body to help you develop a deeper understanding of yourself. Join us on each episode as we navigate each topic by posing questions to our mind and then having deep conversations with each other, ourselves, and special guests to help us come full circle and answer each question. This season, we discuss trauma, trauma responses, attachment, and relationships. In each episode, we provide you with resources and tools to begin to heal your inner child, set boundaries, and help you along your journey of healing. Welcome back to Mindfully Healing. In today's episode, we have something a little bit different for you all than what we're used to. Micheline and I were having an in-depth conversation about dissociation, which is going to be an episode that we have coming out very soon. But in this conversation, we started to explore different terms that can either be helping or hurting the stigma surrounding mental health. When the episode starts, you will hear us already in a conversation about the term maladaptive. It kind of just flows right in, so I hope it's easy for you all to keep up with. And as always, let us know what you think at the end of the episode. So when I say, let's think about it in the sense of um, you are triggered by something. So like, let's say that you got in a car accident before somebody came and hit you on the side and you experienced like a really um, traumatic experience after that because of it. So now every time you think of getting into a car, specifically, let's say you got rammed on the highway, you go into a dissociative state, maybe you start panicking. And a lot of people would say, okay, this is maladaptive. You're not adapting appropriately, right? To that I don't say you're not adapting appropriately. I'm saying your brain remembers something really traumatic that is being triggered into um, into into the experiences that you're having now and into the future. It is adaptive because it is saying, I remember something bad that happened and I'm warning you that this could happen again and I'm afraid it's going to happen again. And so it's getting you ready to survive again. So it's all intended for survival, which is why I don't say it's maladaptive. What I think we mean when we say maladaptive is that, of course, now you never get in a car, you never get on the highway, you're not able to go to work, your life is altered because of it. So your functioning is impaired. So people call it maladaptive because it's not serving you today. But can both things be true? It can. Well, can you explain what you mean by that? I mean, yeah, your brain is protecting you. So those behaviors come into play, but also that behavior is maladaptive. The behavior is not maladaptive. How it's showing up for you is causing problems in your life. But adaptivity, you have to go back to the root of the word adaptive. Mm -hmm. Adapt to our environment. So we are constantly adapting. Every experience we have today informs the experiences we have tomorrow. So when we experience something like any animal in the wild or any, you know, being that's 
has the capacity to do so, we adapt for protection, for preservation. So when we use the word maladaptive, we're essentially, the way I see it, okay, so maybe this is not everyone's perspective, but the way I see it is um, we are essentially saying that we shouldn't be responding, that us responding this way is a problem. Us responding this way isn't a problem given the information that our nervous system has about our situation. Now, healing that, we're not saying, I'm not saying that like, this is okay, or I'm not saying that I'm not unjustifying like uh, disorders or anything like that, but it's more of of healing and getting that nervous system to let go and still have access to that adaptive response when needed, but not in all situations. So what would, this is honestly just a challenge, like we yeah, never- I love this. it. What would you say to somebody whose behavior- to all the stress and the trauma they went through is self-harm. I would say they're trying to cope with something very difficult. So when you experience a lot of trauma, you might have a lot of numbing happening in your body. You might not feel real. You might feel completely disconnected and shut out. And the only way that you can survive is to get yourself to feel something to make sure you're alive. So then you start cutting to feel that or you feel so overwhelmed by all your emotions that you literally feel like you're going to explode. And the only way to ease that is to cut yourself or harm yourself. This is, again, is adaptive. It is a way that we are trying to cope to survive today. I'm not saying it's a healthy coping. So there's a difference between saying this is okay and this is a healthy coping skill versus saying, I understand why it's happening to you. Right. To me, like by definition, maladaptive is just not being able to function in a way that best serves us in the present moment. So I'm not discrediting or taking away from the fact that that was a survival response and that's what we do to cope, to feel better, to dissociate, whatever it may be. But I do think that that behavior is maladaptive for that person and their environment that they're in. Yeah, it's no longer serving them, which I, which is where I'm understanding what you mean, because I am on the same page as you. It's no longer serving you. It's not uh, serving your greater purpose of what you want to do. Like you, you want to live a fulfilling, happy life without these harmful behaviors to you or without dissociating every time right. you, you know, go through something. And the part exactly. that, this yeah. is what I mean by both things being true at the same yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And you have to understand that like your brain isn't functioning from a to tape today perspective. It's functioning. It still thinks you're in the trauma. You know, when we say you have an emotional flashback or uh, a visual flashback, like when somebody triggers you, you're not responding to this moment. You're responding to when you were five because your limbic brain takes over, your prefrontal cortex is shut off, which is why when that response happens, it's not maladaptive because your limbic brain is working, not your not your prefrontal today brain. So what if somebody just never got out of this cycle? What would well, you that's say? Why, yeah, so that's why we heal. Like we work through um, processing all of that trauma, you know, there's a lot of things that we've talked about on our podcast, like 
arts work, uh, types of therapy, trauma-informed care, nervous system regulation. There's so much that we can do because you can actually get out of those things because they're not serving you. You know, they're they're not helpful for you today, but you you can get out of them and the way that you do so may be different for different people. It could be therapy medication. It could be just, the, I mean, everyone's so different types of therapy differ. So from your perspective to summarize, which I, I don't think we disagree. I think it's just like the logistics of semantics. Yeah, semantics. <laughs> you are saying, cause I do see how labeling someone's behavior as maladaptive kind of seems victim blamey. Like yeah. this is your fault that you're stuck in this, but your perspective is that strategy that that person is using, whatever it is, serve them a purpose in one point. And it's kind of all their body and their mind knows now to keep them protect protected when similar situations arise. Yeah. And, and it's not by choice, which is why I say it's not maladaptive because it's not a choice. It's like you have two brains. Imagine you have two brains. You have your logical thinking engagement connected part of your brain and you have your lizard brain that people like to refer to like where you're no longer like a human you're almost like reacting responding triggers right so when we when we are triggered today that's the brain that's activated that's the brain that is taking over so it's not by choice and the only way to um, turn that off and minimize it so that we have a choice to be more adaptively responding to the triggers of today is to get that part of your brain to recognize how old you are, where you are, you're out of the trauma now, you're no longer in that situation to bring that prefrontal cortex back online so that you can find responses that can actually serve you today, which is what we talk about with grounding. Right. And yeah. So you do agree that there are ways to engage in behavior that is adaptive? No, of course, but not for everyone all the time. So so you have to be in a certain state to be able to engage in those behaviors. Okay. That that's that's I think the only thing. It's like if you are I mean, this is like an extreme example, but like if you if your house is on fire, like you're it's like burning up in flames. Um, this is not an example. This is actually an analogy that my um my supervisor a while ago told me. When your house is burning in flames, you can't think of rearranging the furniture. Um, you might have had intentions too. You might want to change things because you know they're no longer serving you. Maybe your bed's too small. Maybe you've grown out of it. Maybe it's dirty. You, you left a lot of dishes in the sink, whatever. But now your house is on fire. And essentially, when we're trying to help people uh, find coping skills that are, quote unquote, healthier for them, more helpful, more towards values based towards what they want out of their life, we have to make sure that the house is no longer on fire. We have to put out the fire first. Um, if somebody is not rearranging the house and their house is on fire, we can't say, well, we told you to do the dishes. Like, mm -hmm. yes, obviously. But like, how how can I do that if I, I need I need water? You know, right. I need safety. So and and a lot, in a lot of cases, when people are still experiencing like what we consider to be 
maladaptive. They either experienced like severe, severe trauma and haven't ever processed through it or had the capacity to, or are still in some sort of way connected to the trauma, like whether it's living at home with the abusers, Mm -hmm. uh, being in a toxic relationship, being in a toxic society or environment to where even though you're not in that environment that triggered you, the way that the systems are set up in place are still very representative to your nervous system, very similar to your nervous system um, as like what happened at home. Like think of what's happening with like LGBTQ rights and stuff uh, in Florida. So maybe your parents weren't accepting at home. Maybe they were hateful towards the community and they talked a lot of shit about it. And now you got out and you're like, okay, healing time. And then here comes uncle Sam and the government saying, no, we can't do that. Well, yeah, it's, you're no longer in the home that traumatized you in that way, but guess what? You live in a society that's still continuing to traumatize you in that way. So choice isn't always available. Like what we call healthy coping. Right. In this, in this example that you gave, I understand why labeling it as maladaptive wouldn't be helpful in any yeah. sort of way, like what you said, when the choice isn't there. My next question is like, what if your maladaptive, <laughs> I'm labeling it as that, but what if your maladaptive experiences, behavior are affecting relationships? Because we're talking about on an individual level of maybe behaviors. Yeah. And, and I think that, and this is why I think we're on the same page. But we're just, it's just the word use because like, I am in no way, like, I, I'm going to say this because people like to use this, make excuses for your behavior based on what happened in the past. Okay. Right. So let me make that clear because no, I'm victim of this. Like I show up in ways in my relationship and in certain situations that is a trigger from my past that is no longer serving me. That is, would be considered maladaptive. Right. Right. Um, we all have that, like we're human. I think it's just wording. I don't like to use it as maladaptive. I like to come from a more understanding perspective, which is like, this is no longer serving you, but you but it is harming you. Um, but I understand why you're doing it. Like we right. I understand why you're doing it. So I'm not going to, and, and I understand the systems that are happening in your body that are causing this to happen because there's, you're being triggered, which means that your fight or flight comes back on or your freeze comes back on. Right. So, and I think this is why like in therapy as therapists, that non-judgment is there because we learn to understand someone on like such a truly deep level. <laughs> so when they're having these, behaviors that I'm going to call maladaptive it's not that judgment and that misunderstanding instead it's we understand why and now we got to move on to the next step yeah I that's that's simply all I'm saying what you're calling maladaptive I simply prefer to say responses that are no longer serving you like that is it like everything else we're talking about is exactly the same and I think we understand. I, I think this whole conversation started before we started recording because we're trying to record an episode about dissociation. And we had uh, maladaptive daydreaming is a big thing. Like a lot of people talk about maladaptive daydreaming. Um, it's something that a lot of people connect with, you know, and we'll talk more about that. But I said to Nadia, I was like, the only thing I don't like is that it's called maladaptive daydreaming. Like, I don't like that word. I have an issue with that word. And she's like, wait, why? Let's record this. So, <laughs> I was confused. I so get it. Done. 
Yeah. And like we yeah. can keep going or we can just get right into dissociation. You make the choice. I honestly, I think this is a great conversation. I think this will they're all great conversations. I think we need to talk more about this though, because this is like, um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think this is something that like, I think a lot of therapists are kind of like back and forth on. And I don't think it's that we all, a lot of us actually are on the same page. Like I truly believe in Nadia, you and I are on the same page. It's just wording and what the word means to you versus what the word means to me. True. Yeah. Like, it's also like perspective. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like you're wrong. I'm right. Or I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. You're right. It's like, it's just like, I think we're, if it's wording. So yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Same, similar to like, not everything is a trauma response. Everything is a trauma. It's, it's wording, perception, perspective. My next question to you was though, like, where do we draw the line then? Mm -hmm. If we're not using words like maladaptive, disorder, illness. Well, I guess, I guess my question, let me answer that with a question. Cause I yeah. want to know your perspective about this. What is the benefit of calling it maladaptive? I think it creates awareness. Okay. And what would happen if the word wasn't necessarily maladaptive, but it was like this response is no longer serving you, but without the actual maladaptive, what would change in that in terms of awareness? When you're asking me personally for me, nothing, but maybe for other people, it would, if somebody didn't like the label of maladaptive or was triggered by it or found like stigma or shame behind it. But for me personally, not professionally, I don't see the difference. And I think we can say that literally with anything in life then, mm. like instead of calling it anxiety, what if we just label it as extreme stress? Does that make you feel better? Why though? Why not just call it what it is? Well, I don't think so. Cause I think anxiety is so different. So, okay. So here's what the thought that went through my mind when you were saying that it's like legitimizing what somebody's going through. So what if my only issue is like the word maladaptive. So what if it was called dissociative daydreaming? That, yeah, that would be fine. But at the end of the day, it's, in my opinion, it's still maladaptive. At the end of the day, if I'm talking to somebody and raising awareness about this, I'm showing them why it no longer serves its purpose, why it's actually maybe harming them instead of helping them. So it kind of comes down so to the why isn't it thing. called maladaptive, uh, maladaptive, anything like maladaptive stress or maladaptive, um, what's another symptom of dissociation that people like derealization maladaptive like why do we just have uh well, the word not the word maladaptive in front of all of these symptoms then i think it's because i i guess like maladaptive daydreaming is not in the dsm it's not actually a labeled thing that we can diagnose and not diagnose so i instead i think it's just trying to explain behavior and i think it would be the same thing if it was DID or any other form of dissociation that is kind of like on the extreme spectrum of things. But I think it's not the same as daydreaming. So calling it that wouldn't make sense. Instead, it's like a more extreme version of daydreaming that impacts your daily function and day to day and gets in the way of things. So yeah. So why, why not dissociative daydreaming then right. instead of maladaptive? Like it's literally what it is, right? The, like you're dissociating to a daydream. Like, so why the word maladaptive instead of something that legitimizes it, like you're saying, which is dissociative. But I think dissociative daydreaming can also be on a spectrum then. And it's not showing you how, 
far it can go, right? Like dissociation is a spectrum. I can daydream for two minutes and that's completely, I quote unquote, for lack of a better word, normal behavior that most people do experience. So I don't think that gives it as much context. Mm. Which is interesting because I don't feel like maladaptive daydreaming gives it a lot of context either. Because who's to determine when it becomes maladaptive? No, you, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like I think when it is getting in the way to your day-to-day, it's not serving you anymore. It's becoming extreme. You're using it as a way to escape your reality. It's coming from past trauma. Like once again, there's no criteria on it. It's not in the DSM, but I think you get to decide when it becomes maladaptive and it's not serving you serving. or of a licensed professional. Yeah. So no matter what we call it, that criteria will be there for anybody. Right. So that that's why it's so that's complicated. Yeah. yeah. It's so complicated because like there's people that say they have anxiety, right? And uh, maybe their anxiety is on the level three where somebody else's anxiety is on level 10 and they both have anxiety. So a spectrum exists, I think, for every disorder, every symptom even. like, But not everybody that has anxiety has an anxiety disorder that's diagnosed. Correct. Right. And so, okay, let's look at catastrophizing. Not everybody that has anxiety will experience the catastrophic thoughts. They'll experience other symptoms. There's lots of symptoms to it, right? So why not calling it maladaptive thinking? I'm confused with the not everybody who experiences anxiety won't catastrophize. Is that true? So people that experience anxiety on a more physical level, like they'll, they'll have mind reading, they'll have fortune telling, they'll have like those, like what we call cognitive filters or distortions or whatever um let's say okay everybody catastrophizes to a certain extent but we're uh, let's say that they're not um really you like catastrophizing to the point that we imagine someone it's all spectrums what i'm trying to say yeah Yeah, exactly that's exactly what i'm trying to say yeah it's everyone experiences the catastrophic thinking at some point right um and your catastrophic thinking may be different than my catastrophic thinking so what to use distressing to me may not be distressing um, because it's all relative. So exactly. again, we're not call- exactly. So it's really not about like not having the the thing. It's not invalidating that that exists. It's just like it might be more adaptive for me to catastrophize if I'm catastrophizing more than you. Because maybe I come from a place where looking at the worst case scenario or my ancestors or whatever, I had to do that more than you did because because I needed to survive in that way. Maybe I come from a country that needed that more yeah. than you. Maybe you have so, religious trauma, like something that catastrophic. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I get what you're trying to say, but I think if it comes in the way, like I feel like I already said this, but if it comes in the way of your day-to-day activity and you feel like you're not functioning in a way that is healthy or serving you or mm-hmm. helping you in any way, then that catastrophizing is maladaptive. And I, you would I, have I, to maybe if you have the resources with yeah. a professional to get the diagnosis. Yeah. But this, I guess the gray area here, because there is no diagnosis for maladaptive daydreaming. Well, well, the thing is, no, I agree with you 100%. I don't like the only issue I have is the word maladaptive. That's it. So do like, you think maladaptive should just not be a word? I think we should just call it what it is. It's like, it's a dissociative 
daydream. That's that's my perspective. Everybody, you have a right to believe or take whatever you want. I'm no, sure. no means disqualifying what your belief is. I think Matt, the word, the only issue I have with anything we're talking about is the word specifically very like teeny tiny part of this, which is the word maladaptive. And I would just change that because I feel like I understand why it's happening to you. And if I can understand why it's happening to you or happening to me, then I don't think it's maladaptive. There's not a, a there's not a break in our coding. It's uh, an adjustment in our coding. So it's adaptive it's just not serving us anymore. So that's what I would say. I would say it's a stuck response. Same thing to challenge. And maybe this is like too far extreme of a question and we can cut this out. Just let me know. But what if you came from an abusive household and now you're abusive yourself and that is the behavior that you brought down from you from your childhood and growing up. And now in your relationship, you can't stop. Would that not be maladaptive? Well, it's not, it's coming out. It's not, the thing is, it's like we're we're arguing on a word here because no one agrees that that's an okay behavior. Oh, absolutely. Right? Not saying and that. So, yeah. And so if your trauma is showing up as you abusing other people or you withdrawing from other people and being, you know, a victim of getting into abusive relationships, obviously none of those are serving you appropriately. They both come from a state of of trauma, but your mind's reasoning for doing those things is survival. Whether you become an abuser to never be abused again, mm-hmm. and I'm not justifying this because I know no, people no. will be out there, or, or just like getting into these relationships because you're afraid to leave them or don't know how, or are just, that's what you're used to and your mind is used to. All of that is survival, survival based, which is why I say it's not maladaptive, it's survival, but it does not make it okay. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't say that like, this is, there's no way, look, this actually, in my opinion, is an optimistic view of being like, I understand myself. It's very self-compassionate to understand why it's happening and then having, okay, so what do I do now? Yeah, honestly, that makes sense. Once again, I think it just comes down to somatics. Anything maybe that doesn't come from past trauma or past anxiety that you would define as maladaptive, even in the animal kingdom, like literally anything. I, from the perspective of mental health, I mean, no, I feel like we're all like beings that all we all, all our body wants to do is live. It doesn't care if we're happy. It doesn't care if we have happy relationships. It doesn't care that we're calm and not anxious. This is the difference. So we're talking about like the ideal self versus what our nervous system is really wanting for us. What our nervous system wants for us is to stay alive as long as possible. Preservation and preservation doesn't always equal happiness, which is when we use the word maladaptive, we're expressing that we should be a certain way and we're not, but to our nervous system, we're exactly the way we need to be. So there's a disconnect between our thinking ideal brain and the brain that's just trying to keep us alive, even as a vegetable, like just laying around. Yeah, I get that. So that's why I said it's like a word. And like, if we keep going on this conversation, if you want to touch on this, what do you think about disorder or illness in the mental health space? There is like, there is, I mean, illnesses exist, right? Like we exist where illnesses come from, people still don't know. For a while, we believed that it was a chemical imbalance in the brain and new research has come out and said that's not necessarily the case. So 
disorders are, you know, the, the consensus is there's a genetic component, there is a biological component, there's an environmental component, there's a resiliency component. So we define disorder by um, we have this ideal state of what we want to be like or how we view our life to be or how we want life to be. And any when it deviates a certain amount from that, and this is all based on what people have determined is okay. And, you know, research with like satisfaction of life and things like that. Um, then we label that as a disorder and th they, they exist because in a sense, it's like when we can cluster things in certain, with certain labels, like anxiety disorders, depressive, depressive disorders, then it gives us a starting point for um, how do we start to heal? Um, trauma disorders like PTSD. It's like, it gives us a reasoning. It gives us a purpose. And as human beings, we need that. But would you not say disorder is similar to maladaptive? That's a good point. Um, I think there's a lot of controversy about that. And I honestly haven't thought much about it to really have an, like a strong opinion about that because I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. The only thing is like, if I feel like it's just easier to start with something smaller where like the symptoms that are people are presenting. And as we get more research and stuff about what disorders are, no, I, I, I believe there are disorders. Like I have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, <laughs> right. but if, if I, even with that, like with that label, I've seen some videos recently where like, is it a disorder or is it like a neurodivergency? Because mm -hmm. if you're seeing it as a neurodivergency, it's not a disorder. So like, who's to say what some of these disorders that we have labeled are not neurodivergencies? Right. I agree with that too. I just like breaking the word down. I see like order is how we should act and mm -hmm. dip. How we're Thank not, you. We're not. Should. It's so similar to maladaptive. Yes. Exactly. If I'm on your side of things, exactly. like that's I would view your perspective. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a lot that in our community, in our field is very young. And I think we, as we grow and we learn more about the brain, the body, like why we do certain things, human behavior, we're going to adapt these things, you know, right. um, for a while, like, like being, being gay was in the DSM. It was seen as a disorder. And so we adapted, we learned that that is not a disorder and right. we're moving past that and it's adapting. So our field, it's really hard to be like, this is it. And this is how, and when you mentioned the the word should, this is what kind of resonated with me. Cause you're like, you see this order as like, this is order and this is how it should be. And anything that is not as it should be is a disorder. And so my question back to that, it's, it's like, well, who's to determine how things should be. Right. And that's where I think like, obviously all quote unquote disorders come into play here, but personally, as someone with ADHD, it's like the world's not built for someone like us. We're not once again, lack of a better word, normal in that sense. So it's like, according to who, maybe if we mm -hmm. start learning about it more, we'll learn that the percentage of people with ADHD is increasing. And instead of changing ourselves, we got to change society and the way we adapt to certain things. 
And I think that's such a good point with autism, with ADHD, neurodivergencies, because when we look at disordered stuff, even when we're talking about maladaptive daydreaming, people with autism and neurodivergencies are just naturally more likely to engage in behaviors such as maladaptive daydreaming because, because of, you know, coping, just the way their brain functions. And why are we saying that's maladaptive when that's just the way that their brain functions? Yeah. And that's a good example of like, for them, that's adaptive. Mm -hmm. It's Hmm. it's just how it is also. Yes. Yeah. It's just how it is. It's, it's like, who's to say that this isn't, shouldn't be happening this way. Like we determined at some point in our history that quote unquote, normal people are like this and anything outside of this box is considered abnormal, disordered. And we're really missing out a lot on a lot of things, especially when it comes to individual differences, cultural stuff, even the stuff in the DSM and diagnosis is very white Western based. There's many countries that view certain neurodivergencies as like great, you know, uh, there's so many things that like we're looking at from this perspective. So it's, I think when, whenever we talk about any mental health issue or symptom, I think it's really important to take into consideration, like individual stuff, which is, I think before we started recording this, I had taught, you had asked me, um, what if a client feels invalidated if you don't call it maladaptive? Because, and, and my answer to you was, no, for sure. If that's what you need, that's what I'm going to call it because that is what it is to you. And I trust that, you know, and you're the expert on yourself based Mm -hmm. on your, so I'm not going to, this is my thought processing. This is what works or doesn't work for me. And I'm not going to impose those things on you as my client. So like, again, it's every individual differences are really important. And it's important for professionals to take that into consideration instead of maybe having one stance on certain things, right? Like if on my end, if I were to have a client come in and not want things to be labeled that way or is already so insecure about the way they're viewing themselves, whatever it may be, then I probably wouldn't take that stance. If you have maladaptive daydreaming, this isn't serving you. You got to go on to the next step, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's so relative. I do think it also comes down to language. Like just in this conversation alone, me and you couldn't think of another word for normal. Yeah. Because just what we've been taught is what we would deem normal and not normal. So yeah, Mm -hmm. language does matter. And I think I see the disordered thing maybe a little bit more than maladaptive, but I'm coming there. Yeah. And you know what, like, um, what you just mentioned about like that, like I I had a therapist when I first got diagnosed with ADHD, the therapist I was seeing is a non, um, diagnostic believer. Mm -hmm. So actually internal family systems, a very popular form of trauma therapy doesn't label, doesn't diagnose. They they typically don't do that. I mean, they will for insurance purposes and stuff, but they really steer away from the disorders and they focus more on the fragmentation of the different parts that happen within you as an adaptive response to the trauma that happened to you in the past. Right. So kind of along the lines of what we're talking about. And even though I'm of that feel. Okay, great. I I love that. And when I went to the therapist and said I had ADHD, I felt when the response was, oh, I don't really believe, like, I don't really believe, and the belief wasn't the right word. I don't remember what she used, but it was kind of like, I don't really focus on disorders or something like that. So let's just kind of talk about like, and that felt invalidating to me as a client. Um, Interesting. 
you know what I mean? So like nuances are very big because I definitely want somebody to acknowledge what I'm struggling with. And maybe even if I myself, as I mentioned here, is it a disorder or is it not a disorder? Like even if I'm questioning it um, by another person, it's like, you want to be seen because being seen, and this is where I come to your perspective of like using the word maladaptive. If that word or belief, uh, not belief, if that word or disorder is um, how you finally found community and how you finally found an answer to something you've been questioning for so long, then it should always be be acknowledged. Right. Yeah. And some a simple question of like, what do you need from me can help there. Yes. Hmm. So so I don't disagree with people using the word maladaptive to to be clear. I just think that it's actually just a use of a word, but we're really not meaning like what we're meaning by it is it's not serving us today. That's that's it. And I like that you said, I don't think this was caught on camera, but before I was like, well, how about disorder? What do we do? And you were like, well, that's big. We need to start smaller. And this Mm -hmm. is a good example of starting smaller and helping the community kind of go towards this direction of potentially changing our language or being aware of it at least. Yeah. I think the most important thing, even if nothing else changes is as therapists and community or people that work with people or human to human is just taking what another person tells you they're um, struggling with, dealing with, and being open to seeing them for them and acknowledging, validating that that's their experience. Yeah, I agree. So individual level. Yeah. And sometimes it's helpful to offer a different perspective, right? Like, like if I was your client and you were like, and, and I said to you, I'm daydreaming all the time, blah, 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 blah. And then you were, you were to tell me that's called maladaptive daydreaming. I'm like, oh my God, maladaptive. I'm sure you would be like, okay, but you know, this is like a response because of the, yeah, like offering that is so helpful. Or if I'm talking to a client and I'm like, this is a response because of blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, but why is it happening to me? And then I could be like, well, you know, it has a name and it's called maladaptive daydreaming because, and then they're like, oh, so I'm not alone. It's so big. It has a name. So huge response on TikTok when maladaptive daydreaming was kind of trending. A lot of people in the comment section were like, oh, I just thought I loved daydreaming. Or I mm-hmm. thought like that made me happy. All the characters that I would create it was like an escape instead of realizing where it was coming from, why it's happening and how to move forward. Yeah. So the the you see like the the flexibility of being able to go to the side of the other person, depending on their need, is really what's important, I think, more than any semantics. Yeah. And I think that comes down to everything in this field. Yeah. 100%. Trauma disorders, everything, everything, just being able to hear the people that are telling you and validate another person's experience, not from your own, like, this is how it is only. And this is also why it's important to ask your therapist questions in the consultation and understand maybe what perspective they're coming from, because Mm -hmm. If you are not looking for a therapist who doesn't diagnose, or you're looking for a therapist who does or doesn't believe in it, whatever, at least you can determine that and that invalidation might not yeah. happen in the long run. I agree. And and if you have a therapist that like mine, when she did that, just being like, well, this is important to me. 
Mm. Because I believe that there's yes. a neurodivergence. Like I don't believe that my ADHD is a trauma response. So I think I am neurodivergent. And right. I can tell you that because I've been like this and, and having that therapist respond in a, in a validating way, like is really important and to take on your perspective because it's not helpful if somebody's like, I mean, obviously if there's like something that, that like, okay, they want to challenge your view on because you are maybe harming yourself. And in a way there's one thing I'm not talking about that, but more in terms of like labels and diagnosis and how, you know, even comes down to like sexuality and your, you know, your way of like being just your human. And so having somebody validate that is, and, and go to your side and help you through your perspective, not through their own values and, and beliefs. It's super important. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, well, wow. Well, I guess what's the consensus here? What do you, what do you all think? Like, what yeah, are you? Oh, yeah, I know Nadia and I like, it, like, this is fun. I love talking about this. Yeah. Um, I think this is our ADHD coming in. <laughs> Yeah, we had a whole other episode planned, but this was fun. And like, we got into it and I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is the first time me and you might not agree on something. But I think when it comes down to it, like we do agree. Yeah. It's pretty much the same perspective, just said differently. It's just a word. We're honestly disagreeing on a word. Like I, I, I feel like, like is my like, hair brown or is it black? And you're like, it's black. I'm like, oh, but it's dark, 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 dark. I, I think brown. we're arguing more of like, is it, is it dark brown or is it like almost like almost <laughs> like. Like, is there, is there a brown streak in my hair or is there... <laughs> no, but like, yeah, this is so much fun. And I'm curious, like, I mean, everyone's right here. So like, what is your preference when we think of maladaptive daydreaming? Um, do you want it to be called that? Do you prefer it to be called something like uh, dissociative daydreaming, or maybe even if you don't have a preference, like what is, the, what is the feeling you get about yourself? Um, what are some of the things that you think about as you heard us kind of going back and forth on this? There's no right and wrong answers. Nadia's right. I'm right. Like we're both, we're, everyone's just different perspectives. So, um, so don't like, you know, don't, don't be afraid to to share your, your views on this. Yeah. And your kind of like visceral reactions when we do say the word maladaptive or disorder, yeah. let us know. It doesn't have to be well thought out or researched. Just like no. let us know what you feel in your body, in your mind. I would love to hear like the general consensus. Absolutely. This will be fun. And maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have another like episode okay. like this. This will be fun. Yay. Well, Great. thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this one. It was a little off track once again. Yeah. We are ADHD, but it was fun. <laughs> it was. I think it brought perspective into certain things. Mm -hmm. Lots of perspective, lots to talk about, lots to consider. If you're a therapist as well and would like to hop on and have this conversation with us, um, maybe we can even have two therapists at a time from different perspectives coming on. That would be really cool. If you're interested in talking about like the idea of diagnosing, um, maybe not even, that's not really what we're talking about here today, but like maybe we should have that conversation. Like the idea of like, if you're like an IFS therapist or a therapist that comes from a modality that doesn't really uh, use the diagnosis. And then you're another therapist that does and thinks this is like the foundation of treatment. 
um, why don't you reach out to us and we can all four of us have a interesting conversation about this. We'll just hold debates. We even haven't had a therapist yet that um, not has an issue, but doesn't really agree with our episode of trauma response. Oh, yeah. Everything might be trauma or might not be trauma, whatever it may be, but I would love to still have a therapist with a different perspective on. Yes. If you're one of those therapists that gets annoyed by the trauma response videos on social media and you have something to say about it, please reach out to us. Come on over. (laughs) We want you. We want to have this fun conversation. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks for so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Chat with us and we'll chat with you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family and remember to leave us a review. We love reading your comments. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to along with your thoughts and share it to your story and tag us so we can reshare it to our story. And be sure to follow us on social media at mind.fully.healing on Instagram at mindfully healing on youtube and on tiktok at mindfully.healing until next time